as we worship today, we lift these things up in your name. Amen. Well, a few years ago, I mentioned a, a talent that I have that I really haven't used in a few years. Um, I used to play bass guitar. And when people ask me why I don't play bass guitar anymore, the answer I give is that uh, I moved to Nashville to go to graduate school. And in Nashville, if you say you're a musician, it means you've been nominated for a Grammy. And I wish I was joking, but it really is like that. But actually, uh, you can see pictures of me at worship bands. It's really the way I got involved in church as a young person was playing music in these worship bands. And so I have this soft spot in my heart for the bass. I, I've never played a cool upright bass like Roger played today, but I used to play bass guitar. And bass guitar is one of those instruments that, that a lot of people don't actually know what it sounds like. It's a really subtle instrument. And I still remember when I was in high school and I was playing in this church band when it clicked for me. When what a bass does to a band made sense. Uh, the band director at the time, who was really patient, uh, told me to play my note on the kick drum. Like as soon as the kick drum comes down, you know, that low thud that you hear that keeps the beat in a song. He said, play on that. And I did. And everything kind of connected suddenly. And I don't just mean playing, I mean the rhythm of the song. All of a sudden you could kind of feel it and it made sense. And that, maybe this is too abstract if you don't, if you don't know, uh, that's what a bass guitar sounds like. It's not so much a series of notes as it's the rhythm of the song. The bass guitar is what the song feels like when you're listening to it. You know, you can have music without a bass, but it will feel kind of stale and hollow, like it's not really going anywhere and you can't figure out why. And this for me is a great metaphor for our relationship with God, for how our lives with God work. You see, there is a rhythm to our lives a kind of music. The Spirit is guiding us, leading us, and inviting us to be a part of creation. The Spirit is basically playing the baseline of our lives. When we are listening to music, we can discern where it's going, and when you listen, you can jump in at the right moment. And in so many ways, this is the importance of prayer. Because there's something that musicians, especially when you're young and inexperienced, there's something you have a, a tendency to do that is bad, which is that you, you get out of rhythm. You stop listening for the movement of the spirit. You don't hear the kick drum, or you break one of the cardinal rules of music performance. You try to rush it. You jump in before the rhythm is ready to receive you. You get everybody off beat. You try to play your own thing and it sounds like it's missing something. And indeed, there is a need in our spiritual lives to follow God's lead. And sometimes that means waiting for God 
to arrive, for God to act. So today we're going to hear a story about two folks who are being called by God. It is a familiar story. But what we're also going to learn is that when you're not willing to follow God's lead, sometimes things get unnecessarily complicated. So let's listen to our scripture for today. From Genesis chapter 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Abram took his wife Sarai and his brother's son Lot and all the possessions that they had gathered and the persons whom they had acquired in Haran and they set forth to go to the land of Canaan. When they had come to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem to the oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he moved on to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and invoked the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on by stages towards the Negeb. Oh my God bless this reading. Well, part of being people of faith is listening for the rhythm of God's life in our own life. It's like a frequency that reverberates all around us. Our call is not to chart our own solo career, but rather to allow the vibrations of God's life to vibrate with our life. And in our scripture for today, we have two folks who are being asked by God to wait. They are being asked to allow the course of their lives to mesh with the life of God. Now this promise that God has made to Abram and Sarai is pretty big. God tells them to your ancestors, I will give this land. Except we know the big if of this story. Uh, Abram and Sarai are beyond child rearing age. And so they worry. I mean, we know God makes a way if we are willing to wait on God's timing. If we are willing to mesh the harmony of our life with the harmony of God's life. And yet we know how this story goes. Abram and Sarai do not wait on God. They do the thing that we all like to do from time to time. They take over and they make their own path. From their perspective, I get it, right? God has given them a task. Your ancestors will inherit this land. And they decide that it is up to them to figure it out, even though God has told them that God's got this. They decide to take matters into their own hands. And the story goes that Sarai instructs Abram to have a child with her maidservant, Hagar. So instead of waiting on God, they act. 
and their action is not really in sync with God. They are trying to create their own rhythm. So rather than wait on God to provide an heir, Abram instead brings Hagar into the fold and Ishmael is born. We know that Ishmael is a beloved child of God, that he is protected by God. But it's hard not to read the story and think this would have been much easier if Abram and Sarai had just waited. If they hadn't taken things into their own hands. If they had allowed the plan of God in their lives to unfold. I really appreciate this interpretation and I would love to tell you that I sat down this week and came up with this on my own. I didn't. The dirty secret of preaching. Most of the interpretations I have in my sermons come from somewhere. And this one comes from a book that came out this past month called When the Church Stops Working. And when the church stops working, the title of this book is supposed to have a double meaning that helps us understand our scripture for today. Uh, For the authors, they would say that we live in a time when so much of what used to work in church doesn't really work anymore. Programs, committees, institutions. Maybe you feel this way with faith sometimes, that, well, I had this experience when I was young, but now I can't replicate it. Why won't it work anymore? But there's a, a second meaning to this title of this book, When Church Stops Working. Basically, in our modern era, what the authors contend is that we very rarely think about God being active in our lives. We very rarely think that God has a presence in our day-to-day. We know that in the past, God communicated with Abram and Moses and Paul. That God has called believers and the church should engage with creation. But so often we don't wait on God's voice, on the movement of the spirit. We take it upon ourselves to do the work. In the modern era, we chart our own path as though it was up to us to figure everything out. So in an era when the church has less and less resources, it's easy to think that it is therefore up to us to capture more and more resources. But but this, according to the authors, makes everything about us and what we can do. And they beg the question, what about God? Are we still listening? Do we sometimes think God has abandoned us and left us to our own devices? This is a fear so many of us have. So what if in our quest to do more, to be more active, to figure out the solutions to our lack of resources, to try to solve our own problems, what if we're not actually listening for what God is doing? And so the title of this book, and I I love double meanings, When Church Stops Working is both a fear and it's a suggestion. What if you paused your fear, paused your sense that you have to figure it all out, paused your sense that if you don't act right now, you'll be doomed? What if we paused our own need to have a well-regimented, strict Bible study plan or prayer life with the requisite minimum number of prayer minutes. And instead, paused long enough 
to listen to a God who promises to be faithful? What if we stopped working and listened for the God who won't leave us? You know, like every fifth sermon is really a sermon that I'm preaching into a mirror to myself. And this one really sticks out for me because I I am one of those people who gets swept up into the world. I don't like having dead silent time in my life. Uh, I wake up and the first thing I do is grab my phone and turn on the morning news on a podcast. I mean every morning. I actually get bugged because on Sunday morning my podcast doesn't release the news and I have to figure something else out to listen to. Like how dare they take a day off? But I'm also the generation that uh, I remember when I got my first smartphone, I was an adult, but that was a while back. And I've lived most of my life where when I'm in the grocery store and I'm waiting in line, I can pull my phone out and check the news or log on to Facebook or Twitter or Reddit or any number of websites that will distract me from, from the attention to the world around me. I don't know if anybody else feels this way. I don't like having downtime. It feels unproductive. I could be learning something, connecting with someone. But I also know that this can get in the way of of my needing to connect with God's rhythm. Because what God tells us is that we're going to have to wait. To attentively wait. Because we have to listen, to notice what the Spirit is doing around us. So that the melodies of our lives line up with the rhythms of God's life. For me, this is really what prayer has become. I would love it if my entire life was slower, if it was about listening to God. And I kind of figured this is what a monk's life is. You know, monks go live in monasteries out in the wilderness where nobody can bother them. That'd be great. I've decided not to take the vows of poverty or celibacy. And so here I am. But for me, that model, that prayer as waiting, as listening, that for me has become so central to my prayer life to reminding myself that in that waiting, I can expect to hear God. I don't have to say words. I just intentionally slow down, even if it's just for a few minutes a day, just to wait on and listen to God's spirit. You know, my favorite story about prayer comes from Mother Teresa, who is somebody who had to have taken time off to listen to God's calling. But she was asked in an interview, what do you say when you pray? And she answered, I I don't say anything, I just listen. And the interviewer responded, but what does God say? Oh, she said, he doesn't say anything, he just listens too. There is a need in each of our lives, individually and collectively as a church, to have this time to listen, to slow down and allow the pace of the world to recede just a little bit, and to catch the rhythm of God's spirit in the world. Maybe even to stop working and just be in the presence to be with a God who is forever faithful, a God who does not leave us. 
in so many ways, our, our lives are like a piece of music, maybe a jazz tune. We play a mean piano. Maybe not as good as Jeff, but pretty good. With lots of step and pep. But it's God and God's presence and the spirit that creates the backbone. It's God's presence and God's spirit that keeps the rhythm. If we rush, and we are prone to rushing, we throw everything off. But if you're willing to wait, if you put in the work and listen to that rhythm around you, if you develop the capability to slow down and to know what is coming, well, the music you can create, that music, well, that music just can't be beat. Amen. Well, as we gather for worship this morning, we invite you to connect with us. If it's your first time worshiping, uh, we